The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, well, good morning. Welcome to the creek. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, we have a new worship guide for you with a, a well, it's not new. Everything's new to you if you're visiting today. But there's a guest card in that uh, that we'd love for you to fill out to the level of your comfort. We don't show up at your house. We don't uh, come knocking on your door. We do come to dinner only if invited. Um, so, But we like to get some information to you because finding a church can be a little bit of a tedious process. I know because I've been through it. Um, and so we would love to help you. And so th- you can communicate needs. But we have a new worship guide. And I'd like to thank our design team that did that. Um, Brad Bowen, my wife Heather Oxley, and Jamie Whaley. I made all this happen, so it's, it's pretty stellar. I'm, I'm digging it. Um, it's like classy at the creek, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what happened to our ghetto fabulous? Oh, wait, it's still here. Um, but inside that worship guide are some announcements. They are important. There's a volunteer expo coming up, um, and there are areas that God may be already calling you to engage, and we'd love for you to do that. And then prayer warriors, um, that's not just people who, uh, who just pray uh, over things and, and just say, God, help the church. Let me tell you what God's calling us to uh, in 2014 as a church. He's calling us to prayer. He's calling us to our face. Um, this is prayer warrior stuff. I mean, it is on your face before God. It is um, engaging in the mess um, because you, you know life can be messy. And uh, um, but uh, if God is honestly, this is probably this this announcement's probably just a confirmation. Um, of what God's already been calling you to do. So uh, you can engage that. There's ways to get engaged. And then um, then there's notes here. You can turn to your note sheet in this. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's going to take us a little while to get there. So those of you who itch for a fill-in, um, hang in there. Put your seatbelts on, tray tables up, and uh, we'll get there in a moment. But uh, today, actually, if you are visiting, today's a perfect day for you to visit because uh, we're giving a state of the ministry address uh, about 2013 and and our ministry, and really, uh, I, I carry baggage from my past, and so um, if you remember the movie Wizard of Oz, where they, uh, the wizard was actually behind the curtain, um, I tend to have this theory, uh, maybe it's a conspiracy theory, that there's something behind every curtain, and so, I mean, I, I don't know if I can move this, but I think Justin Bieber's behind this, no, they took him down, there's just another curtain, and then it's just nothing, so I fight very hard to keep the curtain open. And so today, the curtain is wide open. We're going to talk about uh, the stats uh, from 2013, and then we're going to look at Paul's address based on the state of the ministry he was engaged with. And so if you are visiting, this is a great time. I would like to say a couple things first. Uh, Thank you, Trinity, for teaching last weekend um, and uh, bringing the word. I love that God has assembled a team that that I I have an incredible team. Uh, the, The state of our team is incredible. I love it. I love that Trinity is, is, can teach the Word. He teaches better than I can. If I just give you the notes, you want to come up and do this? I'm kind of tired. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I also want to thank you all for your prayers of comfort and support. Um, my family was traveling last week, and Pastor Tammy and I and my parents and brothers and, and, and Tanya were all traveling for the, the, I say funeral, but it's really a homegoing ceremony of my grandfather. Um, incredible man of God. I got to hear his pastor talk uh, in the service before I got to get up and give the message, and, and what an honor uh, to be called to, to be able to preach at, at uh, my grandfather's funeral, but really a man of such integrity, character, and faith. 
And when I heard his pastor talk about his investment in, in, in people's lives and, and people that, since he had passed, shared their testimony of uh, how he had led them to the Lord and his quiet strength. And just as I heard this, just God saying, that's what I'm calling you to do. That's what just make Jesus clear, love people. I mean, there were people that came up to us at the ceremony, at the, at the funeral that said, you don't know me, but he made such an impact in my life. And so thank you for praying for us. Traveling home was tedious. We did get stuck in an airport because of weather. So I spent all night, Sunday night in an airport. Yes, was boring. So especially since we couldn't stay in the secured area. It's a tiny airport. We couldn't stay in the secured area where the free Wi-Fi was. We got to stay out in the lobby, and I got to watch the joke of a Super Bowl. And actually, I saw maybe 10 minutes of it. So I really can't tell you if it was a joke. And I know who won. But uh, yeah, there, it was a... Uh, not fun. But we got home Monday, and so it's been a great week. So thank you for praying uh, for that. Um, next month, the creek's going to be four years old. And uh, I want to tell you, yes. So that means we're walking and I think potty trained at this point. Uh, we might still have a few accidents, but, but uh, um, it's been an incredible journey. And I want to talk to you about 2013 and I'm going to share with you two data sets. The first one is the heart data. Um, and that is the reason we do what we do. And then the next piece is the hard data. So all of you numbers crunchers that love numbers, that, that'll, that'll be great for you. This is, a, this is really a head and heart message. Those of you who are heart first people, um, the heart data will just, you'll just, that's going to get you. And for those of you who are the, the, the head people, the numbers are going to be like, yes, give me numbers. I'm sorry I don't have charts for you. I know that would have just taken it way over the top. But um, the, some of the heart data from 2013, um, this is just what we could track. This means we got it on cards and, and through uh, broken communication, but we saw 13 salvations, um, and that is someone who had no relationship with Jesus come into a new relationship with Jesus. That's what we could track inside of our church. That's youth, kids, and adults. And uh, I know there, there may be more, but I'm just saying just what came in on the little cards and what we know we could, we could track. So I, I don't believe in evangelistically um, stretching numbers. So 13, rededications. This means I, I've one time had a relationship with God and we've since parted and I'm coming back. Um, we saw 24 uh, decisions of rededication. Um, and beautifully, we saw 38 baptisms. Now, the baptisms are a little tough here at the creek because it's all outside. So, you know, when God says it's a new season and y'all, y'all get new life in the winter, y'all like, I'm waiting until spring though, man. Um, forget that. I'm not getting, I, I don't blame you. I'm not going to get in the pool in there. But, um, but so we stagger baptisms. What I also love about the baptism number is that means that there were 38 people that had to get in the pool with the person getting baptized. See, the way we roll here at the creek is if, if you bring them and you help lead them to a relationship with Jesus and introduce them to Jesus, guess what? You're baptizing them. And, and, and that's what we're called to do, to go into the world to make disciples, teaching them my commandments, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, in my presence, I will be with you till the end of the age. So what's incredible, I get to be in the pool to celebrate that moment. Um, we, we saw so many people in the pool getting to baptize those that they had introduced to Jesus. And you know who else was in the pool? Jesus. And I love that. Um, their hands got wet. I love having wet hands with the gospel because that means lives are being changed. And so um, some of the things you cannot quantify, uh, you cannot quantify eternity because it has no end. You cannot 
quantify some of the things that we've seen God do in our, in our church community over the last year. Um, we've seen marriages reconciled. We've seen marriages saved. We have seen relationships with parents and kids and kids and parents restored and reconciled. We've seen addictions broken. We have seen doctors' reports change. We have, we have seen miracles in our community. We have, we have gotten to experience things where, here's the bottom line, the enemy has shackled people with death and the freedom through Christ and the blood of Christ shed on the cross at Calvary broke those chains and there's freedom and there is new life. There is a redemption of past. It's been incredible to see. We, we have had the opportunity to celebrate together with baby dedications, um, birth announcements, and, and the smiles that moms have coming in. We're pregnant, and, and we've been able to celebrate that. We've been able to celebrate change in families. We've been able to celebrate so many good things. We've also had the opportunity to grieve together. I mean, last week, you comforted and grieved with, with me and my family, and we've had to walk through that grief together. I still say it's an opportunity because God says I'm there. And, and honestly, I've seen more ministry happen in those times where we grieve together than when we can celebrate together. Now, I don't invite the grief, but you know what? I'm going to embrace it for the glory of God. And so we've seen our church family, and so many of you get your hands around people who are hurting and, and just wrap them in and pull them close. That... I can't do it all. And, and to see the love that exists in this community, that it, there's truly arms that wrap around and walk through some of the darkest nights that you faced. And you're not alone. We've seen from a volunteer standpoint, it takes over 70 people to do what we do a weekend. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Four years ago, I was freaking out launching the church. I was like, we got 27 people. What are we going to do with 27 people, God? It takes, what, three times that? I'm not good at math this morning, but, you know, over three times that to even do a service now. I mean, our first weekend, we had just this little section. We were able to use all the the chairs that we have to move out to bring these in. And we're like, man, God, what are you doing? How do I I lead these people? And now it's like incredible. Over 70 volunteers. And you know what? I'm going to unashamedly say, and we need more. It takes more even now to do ministry at this level. This year, with a move, it's going to take even more to do that. And I love that because God says, I'm expanding your ministry. Yes, you need to quantify and have numbers of volunteers, but the length and reach and breadth and depth of ministry that I am giving you, you cannot fathom. Do you know what fathom means? Measure. You cannot measure the depth of ministry that I'm giving you. That's the heart data. That's the things that, well, how do we put a number to it? We can't. We've got 16 community groups actively going this semester with another three or four in the hopper. That's not just people going to community. That's people engaging in community. That's people developing, deepening relationships. The friendships that have, have, have grown with the connection being the gospel shared at the creek and then you engage in somebody's home and community. Those friendships that have blossomed out of that. I have incredible friendships I didn't have four years ago. So many of you, I mean, I, I watch Facebook, and you're, you're not only just friends, you're hanging out. You're doing life with people you go to church with. I can't quantify that. All I can do is sit back and say, God, you are good, and give him the glory for that. That's the heart data. That's, that's lives changed. That's lives growing 
in the gospel. That's God receiving glory by our life, continuing to be changed on a daily basis with renewal so he gets the glory. I've seen God work in in families and in individuals where just the beautiful precision of the Holy Spirit and his loving kindness, it says, you know what? Let's let's deal with something here because this is robbing me of my glory and I'm gonna just wanna help you get rid of that. And I've seen people walk free from those things that, that some are sin, some are not, but they're robbing God of his glory. And God says, hey, I want to continue to transform you here. And with the beautiful scalpel and precision of the Holy Spirit and his loving kindness, he said, let's deal with this area. And I love that God has protected and provided a safe environment for that to happen. Those things I can't quantify for you. So all the heart people get it. All the head people are like, but where's the numbers? Here's some numbers. Here's the hard data. Our, our 2012 average attendance was 267 people a weekend. In 2013, our average attendance went to 347. Now, here's what that represents. That's a life. I mean, I hear pastors say we count people because people count, and that's true. There is an entire book of the Bible called Numbers. Numbers mean something to God. People mean something to God. Every person, every number is a life. It's a life that God has transformed. It's a a life that God is leading to transformation. It's a life that God has saved that has continued to grow and mature in their faith and holiness. Every number represents a life that God says, that's glory that I want to receive. Every number represents a life that God says, I have called you to go out and preach the gospel and to make disciples. You are important to God. I'll be honest with you, I give, I, give, I give a real sarcastic answer about the size of our church when people ask, so how many people are at your church? It's all about the one. Because our goal is to love you and make Jesus clear. Because you are important. God has every hair on your head numbered. Not just I know how many there are or I know about how many. Every hair on your head is assigned a number. And God knows it. That's how important you are to God. We count people because people count. That growth in, in, in attendance is incredible because we're seeing lives change. We're seeing community be deepened. So um, the creek also is a business. We're a church, but we have business, and we have to conduct as a business. We are a business that the bo- bottom line is not the dollar. The bottom line are changed lives. If we're seeing a good bottom line from a dollar perspective, but no life change, we've got something wrong as a church. But I also will tell you, if we're seeing lives change but not seeing some of the, the numeric values change, I think we also have a problem as a church because God is calling us to obedience. And, and I'm, I'm going to talk to you about some financial information. And, and I want to also just tell you and, and I guess repent to you that I'm sorry I don't talk about this enough. I carry baggage from my past. And so I tend to think if I, if I talk about it, because it, inevitably when I talk about it, I do get feedback. All you talk about is money. And if that's what you take away, I'm sorry. I, I am big enough. If, so if, when I talk about this, if, you're, if, you're, if your criticism of me is I always talk about money, then go ahead and send the email. I'm used to them. Most of them I'm not going to respond to anyway. So that's just the way it is. But I also believe on the flip side, I don't talk about this enough. And I have made a commitment to God that I will preach the entirety of the Word of God. And giving is important to God. It's not as though we give something that God needs. He says, you'll never give me anything I need. But the beauty of it is God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And I will provide all of your your needs according to my riches and glory. 
Test me and see if this isn't the case. God has called us to be obedient. He's called us to walk lives of obedience. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is something connected with our heart and our growing holiness and our desire to follow God and to be like him that is tied with those things we hold dear. In our society, we hold very dear money. And, and I, I'm, I apologize. I'm not going to beat you up over this. I don't have to preach money out of you. My responsibility is to preach Jesus. Obedience is a fruit of that preaching. And so here, let me give you some numbers of that o- obedience. Um, the general giving, we had a meeting with our financial consultant, and they did a 2013 breakdown. Our 2012 to 13 general giving. So on, like when you mark your envelopes, general or building or other, the general giving increased by 38% from 12 to 13. Um, I tend to wrestle with pride. And so our consultant said, don't let that jack with your pride. That's not you. That's God. Um, And he said, let me tell you how you know it's from God. The national average of giving increased from 12 to 13, nationwide average, was 0%. The previous three years, the national average was a negative percent. We have seen an increase every year since we launched the church. That is your faithfulness and obedience in following God, not Matt. That, that is you saying, God, I'm, I'm in. And, and he said, here's the other thing to give God the glory for. That increase in your general giving also does not account that so many in your church are giving sacrificially to the vision and the campaign that you're involved in. I say that because God is due the glory because He has grown and He is providing. He is funding the ministry He calls us to. I believe if God calls us to do it, He'll provide the way for it. That 38%, let me give you the numbers of what that represents. In 2012, our general giving was uh, just over $350,000. In 2013, we were right at $450,000. That funds ministry. We put that into our staff. I'll, I'll be honest with you, this year we're going to increase staff. Um, we're, we're not called to move into a new building this year. We're called to increase ministry. We're called to storm the gates of hell, folks. And God's funding that. And so we've seen that. Let me talk to you about our giving because just as as we as individuals are called to be obedient with our giving, um, we as a church tithe. Tithe means 10%. So what we do in our general fund, we take 10% of that and that goes. The first 10% is gone. We put, we put money into savings, but the first 10% we set aside for God. Here's where we put that into. We, we, and th- these numbers that I'm going to give you on our giving does not include a Kids Beach Club, which, by the way, We fund that to happen every Wednesday after school, and that's not counting the salvations we've seen. We've seen, what, Jen, over 20 kids in the last year uh, saved uh, through Kids Beach Club, which, by the way, it's on a public school campus. So this doesn't include that. It doesn't include the benevolence money that we, we put into the school at the beginning of the year because at the beginning of the school year, there's a couple schools that we say, here's some money. If the school district has an issue with a check coming from a church, we go buy a stack of Walmart gift cards and go, here. But it's, it's for anything they need. And those counselors, when they have a kid that shows up that needs shoes, they've got a gift card to Walmart, they go take care of that kid. They don't have to call and say, well, Pastor Matt, can we go do this? I'm like, no, we're accountable to give. You're accountable to use it for, for the goodness of God. 
And if that's buying a kid shoes or coats or underwear, socks, pants, whatever you need, go do it. This doesn't count for that. Where we have set our tithe is into the organizations. The first one is Kid Stand. Um, if you've been at Spring Spectacular, you've seen their incredible work. We've, helped, we've seen them go all over the world. We've seen them really invest in kids' lives and change the lives of kids. Well, so, excuse me, Kid Stand is a ministry we support. Missionaries, we want, we want faces that we support. We have missionaries that, that are in parts of the world that are preaching the gospel. You heard Sebastian Vasquez uh, the week after Christmas talk about Toronto. We support Sebastian in his effort, and we have seen fruit from that ministry. Another one we support is, uh, is Mark Hadaway. Mark's in our video cafe. Mark's had good reports. Mark is taking a detour from the Brazilian mission field uh, through brain cancer. And God is, God's even expanding his ministry here. And we're supporting you. We're supporting you, Mark. We love you, man. We support global support mission. Global support mission goes into under-resourced areas of the world, mainly Africa, but other parts of the world. They find mission organizations that have good ideas or realistically God ideas that really need funding and training, and they help support and undergird that with funds and with training, and we support them. We're, we're among their top givers a year. We also give to Community Link. Community Link uh, is and church planning. Let me talk to you. Too many times I hear this, this uh, ridicule of American pastors that will step over the hurting on our front porch to go into all the world. So we balanced our missions and our giving. We want to go into all the world, but we also have hurting people in our community. Community Link helps those hurting people. Food resources, job resources, uh, skills. That, I mean, so we give to them. We also believe in church planting. We are a church plant. We are independent from any organization. We launched out with God and, and a core of people, and I have incredible mentors that have guided me along the way. God has brought the opportunity for me to mentor three church planters right now. Some of them are in a daycare, which is cool, because I get like, dude, here's the key. They're like, what's the key to this, man? I'm like, just follow Jesus and don't worry. I can say that now, because I'm on the other side, you know? When, I'm in the, when I was in a foxhole four years ago, I'm like, God, help us. I'm like, dude, just trust Jesus. Don't worry about it. But I get to meet with them and pour into them. And we're going to put money into church planning because we need churches. We need more opportunities for people to hear the gospel. The creek isn't the church for everybody. If it was, everybody would be here, and we'd have real serious troubles with parking in this space. But God has called us to be, to be a part of the body and to be a local expression, our identity. And you know what? We're going to be who we are but we also want to help fund other churches to do that. So the number that we gave, that we tithe, we actually gave more than a tithe in 2013 was over $48,000. So if we need to help people, we're going to help people. A lot of ministries, their biggest need is cash. God has created a generous atmosphere here so we can help support those ministries, and I'm grateful for that. Let's talk about the campaign. The campaign in 2012, the amount given to the future growth and future vision of the church was right at $170,000. For 2013, it uh, was just a, right at $105,000. That, uh, when you do the math, the total amount pledged when we launched the campaign was pledged by 63 families that said, here's what we have prayed and, and, and hear, heard from God and believe that we can do above our tithes. 
we can give sacrificially. That number was $387,356. When Here's the other beautiful thing. That's 63 families committed that amount. Another 70 families in our church are actively giving to the campaign without a pledge. So the total amount collected, we're, we're 72 to 76% collected on that original amount pledged. Even with the, the families that pledged that amount, we're 40% completed of the campaign and we're about 42%. We're ahead of pace from our original pledge. Here's what that equates to. There is 133 families that are giving sacrificially to the future, the future and vision of our church. That doesn't make me prideful. That makes me give glory to God and it humbles me because God says, I've got this. When I call you to do it, I'll prepare the way. Now let's, let's have a, let's, I want to have a little bit of a family chat, heart to heart here about the facility update because um, we're scheduled for that this weekend. The uh, history has been amazing on this with God bringing two churches together. Um, and, and honestly, in meeting with bankers and construction companies, um, churches don't have a good reputation. Uh, churches tend to have a reputation of entitlement, trying to get something for nothing because they're doing the Lord's work. And honestly, every time I hear that, it makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm being honest. I mean, I, I would love to mentor some of those pastors and just, yeah. Also, churches don't have a good reputation in the community for being a, a room full of hypocrites and backbiters and people who nitpick and, and get just with each other. And society sees that. I hope to be a church that changes those things. What's been beautiful about this process is God has brought two churches together that can work in unity for the same mission of glorifying God and seeing lives change. I mean, we've got two churches that are going to be in one location with different identities. And God is preserving that unity so we can be a, we can be a, a hope and a beacon to our community to say, not all churches are like this. In the business functions, we pay our bills on time. We have submitted our numbers to the bankers. We have been upfront, straightforward, open book with everything. And I hope to be a, a church that changes the way business looks at churches, at least looks at our church. So let's talk about this. Um, right before Christmas, we changed construction companies. A lot of you heard me say that. Uh, we had a bid that was about $1.77 million. And they said, you're going to have to make some cuts. So we did. We cut the construction company. Um, and <laughs> let me tell you what that equated to. That was over 500000 in savings. I'm like, dude, why don't we do this sooner? Um, so where it stands, and we did lose a month uh, in changing those construction companies. Um, but for $500,000, I think that's good stewardship. Um, we'll trade some time for half a million dollars. I'm all right with that. So the current estimate sits at $1.259 million. And in a marathon meeting with our construction company on Wednesday, uh, it did not include extra parking, which to me is a deal killer because we've got parking issues here. I don't want to go into a new facility with parking issues. So let me tell you what we did. We went line item by line item through that bid, and we cut. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Um, and, I, and we saved enough money by cutting things to add the parking back in. 
So we're still looking around that 1.259 million number, but with additional parking. Now, here's what's cool about it. You're going to help on some things in this process. You get to get involved. Um, We cut landscaping way down. We told the contractor, you plant trees, we'll handle the shrubs. So we're going to have a church work day. We're going to buy shrubs and mulch, and you guys can come in and get your hands dirty. And, you know, it's like the harvest, you know. We're going to be planting. It's going to be awesome. And so I'm sure we can get our barbecue team to pull the smoker up there and get some vittles going on the grill, and we'll just have a grand old time at it. The other thing that I'm excited about, and I'm I'm not smart enough to come up with this idea. This was not my idea, but it's brilliant. We had this beautiful wall in the lobby and in the worship center set to have this reclaimed barn wood, and it it had this incredible look. If you saw the renderings, you kind of can see it on there. Well, that that was really expensive, so we cut it, but here's what we're going to do. Um, We're going to to pre-order some lumber that are the specification of the boards we want to put on that wall, and what you have the opportunity to do is buy a board... And then you'll take that board home. And what I want you to do with it is write your family's name on it. I want you to write some scriptures that you're praying over on it. And here's the most important thing. I want you to write the names of people you are praying to come to Jesus. And then we're going to come together and we're going to hang those boards and we're going to make that wall beautiful. And then when you bring that person to Jesus, I want you to take them to that wall and say, we've been praying for you. And then you get to baptize them. So we're going to get involved with that. I'm not going to nickel and dime you through this process, but there might be some creative ways that we can save some money um, to be able to, to, to help because, honestly, I, 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 don't want, uh, I don't want finances to hinder ministry. It's not going to happen. So we'll cut things, you know. Uh, and so we're good with that. We, we're in a daycare, folks. So we're good with ghetto fabulous, right? So... Um, uh, here, here is what that number also means. There, and the reason we're cutting things is because there's an additional approximately $200,000 above that, that construction amount of things like kids' furniture, furniture in the preschool rooms, uh, auditorium chairs. You know, you've moved into a house before, you know. I mean, like, you ladies can help with this, the contact paper in drawers, you know, stuff like that. Those things add up. And so uh, here's what I can tell you is that that... When God says it's going to be enough, it's going to be enough. And the beautiful thing is we, we have enough cash and we have everything we need to do this process. Um, our banker is going to the board this week, Wednesday or Thursday, um, to gain approval on, on the amount to cover uh, the construction and a little bit of that extra cost. And that's the maximum they'll loan. Um, we will have to put cash down. And we will have to have cash for the rest of those remaining costs. So here's what I'm going to ask you. And I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. We have enough cash in the bank to do all of that. But what that's going to mean is we deplete all cash reserves. I'm not called to move into a building and deplete ministry. So I'm going to ask you between now and Palm Sunday to pray as a family about what you can give as an offering on Palm Sunday. Because I believe God wants us to go into this, not, not going, how are we going to do ministry? We've got this facility, but how are we going to do ministry? I'm on, the future of this ministry, this year, we're going to increase staff. We're going to storm the gates of hell. And that's going to take 
more involvement. That's going to take a stronger staff. That's going to take new ministries. That's going to take an incredible amount of faith. We're going to continue to be generous. God is calling us as a church leadership, not just to look at the tithe, which is 10%, but I believe God's calling us on our giving to 12%. And so we're going to be even more generous. We're looking at more organizations and interviewing organizations that we can help support. We're going to help more church planners this year. And I believe we're not going to hang on to any money. The church is a storehouse, and so we bring our tithe into the storehouse, but you know what has to happen? We got to get it out. That grain that comes into a storehouse goes to feed. And so we're going to feed ministries. We're going to feed church plants. We're going to feed those people who... Our command is to go into all the world. If you're physically not going, then we're responsible to help those who are. And so we're going to equip those who are physically going. So I can stand before you with all humility and with all glory given to God to say the state of the ministry at the Creek Church is strong. And we've seen incredible things in 2013. And 2014, it's a new season. And it's going to be an incredible year. I had hoped that we would be in the facility by Easter, but with the changes, with the banking delays, and with the construction delays, we're realistically looking at mid-May. I don't want, I don't want you to get your hopes up. And, and if those of you who have ever built a house, or have ever been in any construction project, um, let me tell you, we, mid-June, we might want to be thinking about but the contractor saying, we're ready to do this. Our contractor is, is currently building churches now. They have a heart for the kingdom. They have a heart for churches. And he said, we're ready to go. We want your people in there, and we want them praising God. And so God has brought some incredible godly people around us for this process. So um, I give God the glory for everything. I'm not good enough, and I'm not smart enough. And gosh darn it, people don't like me enough to make this happen. <laughs> this is all God. And so I, I thank you for being a part of the creek and, and being obedient to follow God, not following Matt. But thank you. Thank you for loving people, for making Jesus clear, and, and being such a foundation for a strong ministry. So I love you guys. I'm grateful. Let's, let's preach the Bible. That's what we came here to do. Um, if you have any questions about those numbers, or specific details, you can talk to me after service. You can talk to our elders. Um, that is an email I will answer. Um, so um, you can email me, whatever you need. So Acts chapter 21, um, let me catch you up. Uh, we, in Acts 21, we find Paul uh, in Jerusalem, and he had given an account to, to James. And his, his whole purpose in going to Jerusalem is he wanted to be there by Passover. He was hoping then with the delays to get there by uh, uh, Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. <laughs> There's those delays again, right? Um, and he was bringing an offering. He was bringing collection to the church. The, of the other churches that Paul had planted and visited, they're bringing a collection to bring encouragement and hope to, the, to those in Jerusalem. And so Paul gets there. He gives an update to the, of the ministry. He's like, look, the state of it, we've seen incredible things happen. God is doing a work not just among the Jews, but among the Gentiles. People are getting saved. We're seeing uh, the demons flee. We're seeing death come to life. We are seeing incredible move of God. And they're like, that is awesome. And the church glorifies and praises God. And then they're like, but we also need to tell you, um, there's some lies being spread about your ministry here in Jerusalem. Don't you love it when people just do that? They kind of just misquote you or just skew everything. You're like, man, why are you doing this? I mean, I've had to face some of that as the pastor here at the creek. 
I'm like, no, we're not a cult. The daycare cult, I don't get it. Anyway, um, so they give Paul. So Paul, Paul does a Jewish purification ceremony, and at the end of that, he, he, uh, the crowd erupts because they look at one of the men traveling with him and think, think, thinks that he's brought a Gentile into this temple. And so let's pick it up in 21 verse 30. Um, we're going to read, and we're going to look at Paul's address to the crowd um, because Paul's really giving a state of his ministry, but it's his testimony. You see, we just gave you all these numbers, the hard data and the heart data. What that is is a testimony of God at work in a community of believers. That is God's that is our testimony of what we have seen or our witness of what we have seen God do in our church in last year, 2013. It's what we've seen God do since we launched this church. And we will continue to revisit that testimony because that is what the basis of a strong ministry is all about, is where God intervenes in it. So uh, let's start reading uh, verse 30. Um, the whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. He arrested him before he knew the truth. Some in the crowd shouted one thing, some another, and since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed him kept shouting, away with him. That's pretty typical of Paul's experience when he goes into cities, right? Preaches the gospel and causes an uproar. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists into the desert some time ago? So Paul went from preaching the gospel, seeing life change, to hearing the lies that are spread about his ministry, that he's turning people away from God, to now this guy's like, aren't you the Egypt, that Egyptian guy that led the terrorists out in the desert? Oh. Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. Having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city, under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way, meaning Christianity, to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As also the high priest and all the council can testify, I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. What happens is Paul's addressing the crowd and we're seeing the ministry that Paul's going to encapsulate. The first thing you've got to understand is God lays the foundation for a ministry. When you look at Paul's past, he's sharing with them his past. He's finding common ground. He speaks Greek to the Roman soldier 
And then he speaks Aramaic or Hebrew to the crowd. God had prepared him beforehand for the ministry he was calling him to do. He was trained under Gamaliel, which would be like a Harvard education in the law. I mean, he knew it. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he says, look, I was just as zealous as you. God laid a foundation. When you look at Paul's pedigree, he was a Jew. He was also, we'll find out next week, he was a Roman citizen. God had put him in this position and equipped him and prepared him for exactly the ministry he had called him to do. What I love about God setting the foundation for the ministry is God laid the foundation before we could ever even imagine it. I mean, it it was completed before we ever thought it was starting. Think about about us. You know, God knew I was going to be a pastor before I was even born. God knew I was going to be a, we were going to launch the creek before I even had a desire to even pray. 15 years ago, I mean, 12 years ago was my anniversary of going into ministry and I was in corporate world and and then went into ministry. But 15 years ago, if you would have said, hey, Matt, you're going to be a pastor, (laughs) I could have told you what about that. I wasn't even in church. God knew. When I got into church and went into ministry, I spent time repenting to God of my corporate time. of like, God, I'm sorry. If I would have followed you, I would have already been here. Think about the lives that would have already been changed. And God's like, I've redeemed that. He, he, he shared with me that that was like David, the sheep pen years. When David was anointed to be king over Israel, he didn't go to the palace. Where did he go? Back to the field. And it was that experience he gained in the field that helped him be a shepherd over Israel. God put me in some incredible ministry experience. In the church I was on staff, I, I oversaw different ministries throughout my tenure at that church and, and gained incredible experience. So when, I made, when, when God called me to launch the church, I, I felt unprepared and unequipped, but God brought to mind everything that he had done. And when I said, God, what about the mistakes in my past? What about all the things that keep me from doing your work? And God said, those have been redeemed. The enemy will get you to look at your past and say, that's too messy. You're too wretched to try to do anything that God's calling you to do. And God says, don't listen to that voice. God says, I've redeemed it. I've made all things new. And I've laid a foundation of ministry. And I have work for you to do. The second thing is right relationship builds ministry. Let's let's go on here. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. He replied, my companions, or he replied, my companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. The right relationship. You see, Paul started on the road to Damascus to do his religious thing. And God transformed him and a relationship was formed. And God was reconciled to the creator of the universe. The right relationship has to be with Jesus first. Uh, this This is true in our culture. 
I mean, we, we have people that, honestly, because they live in Texas, think they're automatically a Christian, or I'm an American, so I'm a Christian. We have people every week that sit in churches, millions of people in millions of churches that sit every week out of religious duty, and it's completely void of a relationship with Jesus, the creator of everything, the sustainer of life. And so we, we kind of check this religious box because our hope is really if I show up to church, maybe it'll get God off of my back. It's the right relationship with Jesus that builds a strong ministry. We can set out, and, and, and here's the truth. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit in that transformation because it is completely possible to build a church void of the Holy Spirit. You can use enough emotional manipulation. You can use enough playing with things and working things around to make the outward appearance look successful, but inside it's void. It's dead. So the right relationship. Third thing, God sets the ministry for the direct or God sets the direction for the ministry. Let's let's go on. What shall I do, Lord, I ask? Get up, the Lord said, and go into, into Damascus. There you will be told about all you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. There's the redemption of the past. See, Paul's saying, I'm not the guy. And God says, yes, you are. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. God sets the direction. See, Paul's going to Damascus under different guys, different direction, but God changes that. God redeems that whole thing. And, and I, if you remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about submitting to the will of God, we want to know it before we say yes to it. God's saying, you go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything you need to do. And even when Paul was told, he was told to go. He said, leave Jerusalem, go. I'm going to send you far away to the Gentiles. He didn't say, and, and at this point, you're going to end up in Jerusalem and the, the Roman soldiers are going to have to protect you from being beaten to death and you're going to stand and give this testimony. Paul was submitted to the will of God. When I believe when we follow God's direction and he sets the ministry direction, <coughs> we're going to see miracles. Ananias prayed for Saul and he received his sight back. That's an incredible miracle. I've never, I've never seen that. I've never been in the room or even prayed for somebody who was blind and received their sight. But let me tell you the greatest miracle I believe there is. It's death being transformed to life. 
It is when one person comes to repentance through the blood of Christ that all of heaven stands and rejoices. That is the transformation from death to life. It is the camel going through the eye of the needle. It is impossible for man, but with God, all things are possible. And I know we like to say in the story of the, the camel going through the eye of the needle. I mean, Jesus said, you know, it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. What he's saying is man can't do it. He's not, nothing against rich, nothing against poor. He's saying man can't do it. And I know we like to say, well, what it means is there's a gate in the wall, and then there's a smaller gate that they gave a nickname, the eye of the needle, and to get a camel through it, the camel has to get on its knees and walk through. Here's the problem with that. The camel can still do it. The miracle of a transformed life is sewing needle eye, giant camel, the only way it goes through it is a miracle of God. There's no fake in it. There's no trickery. It is a miracle of God. It is the greatest miracle to see a transformed life that happens that's paid for by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. And we see that. When God sets the direction of the ministry because God desires to see lives changed. I also believe that when God sets the direction, we see strong relationships, not just with Jesus, but with other people that are built. Now look at Paul and the people who are traveling with him. He goes and he meets Ananias who prays for him. You can go back and read this story. Ananias didn't want to see Paul. He's like, that dude's bad news. But this relationship gets built. The people who are traveling with Paul. Luke wrote the book of Acts. He's with Paul. The amount of people that were around him to encourage him. Look at the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament when he would talk about his love for the people he had met. Think about you and I at the creek, the relationships that have been built in the last, for me, the last four years. I have incredible relationships that did not exist four years ago. And God has built strong community, but here's what community is. It's deep relationships. And when God sets the direction, we see strength in that. And we see relationships that are brought together because the gospel, Jesus is the common thing that unites us. And so we see that happen. Finally, strong ministries will stand through trials. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. God never promises sunshine and rainbows. He says there will be times for that and there's going to be times of rain and storm. And he promises his presence through all of it. This has been an incredible four years, but it has not been an easy four years. 2013 was the hardest year of my life when, I, when you account spiritual warfare. When you account all the things the enemy was trying to steal from me, trying to kill in my life, trying to rob me from Trying to, trying to steal joy from me, trying to just kill my ministry. I, I've never thought about quitting more in any other time of my life than 2013. But strong ministries will stand through trials. We shared all the wins from our 2013. I could stand here and speak to you for hours and hours and hours about the sins from 2013 that the enemy really tried to get me to quit. But God kept drawing me back. He says, consider it joy, Matt, when you have faced these trials because of what I am building. Get this, what I am building, not what you're building, Matt, what I am building in your life. And it's going to take the trials. It's going to take the up, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And so we will stand through it. 
The state of our ministry is strong. The state of Paul's ministry was strong. His ministry changed history. Aside from Jesus physically walking on the earth, I don't believe there was any other man that had more of an impact on Christianity than the Apostle Paul. So we're going to continue into 2014. We're going to continue with strong ministry. We're going to continue to see lives change. Our mission has not changed. We are to give God glory through lives changed by the gospel, by the message of Jesus, and we will give him the glory. We're going to do that by loving you and making Jesus clear. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this incredible ministry. Thank you that that I get to be a part of this. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. Lord, I just pray for those in this room right now that may be caught in religion or whatever chains or shackles and they need a direction change that can only happen with the right relationship with Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that made a way for us to experience the miracle of a transformed life. Father, we give you the glory and the honor for all you've done in us and through us. I ask that you continue to lead us, continue to guide us with your peace and in a strong ministry that sees transformation in our city become a reality. That we continue to be changed daily. Continue to renew us, transform us so that we can go and glorify you with more lives changed. Lord, we desire to be so strong in the ministry you've given us that heaven has to stay on their feet in the glory you receive by lives being changed. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.